Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. Hey, if you just press play, you just missed uh, 39 minutes and 30 seconds of us talking about first about Morbius and how it got re-released to no fanfare, almost like poetry it rhymes and then we went and talked about an article dan what was the article titled if people were in the group they probably well if people are just online they probably know it It was uh, um there's a i posted an article like and i said just previously for our patreon listeners that i wish i had thrown up a qualifier that i don't agree with the very clickbaity art uh title of the article which is the mcu is not art um and i'm saying i'm not saying this is a way to like respond back to critics via a podcast but i genuinely would like to see uh, people responding to that, like reading it and actually engaging with the criticism and ideas put forth by the author. And I know Vice is also one of those things that it's not top tier journalism necessarily. But if you're listening to this, go on Facebook, try and join the Cinematic Doctor and Facebook group. Uh, answer the questions so that I, uh, I or whoever looks at read it, the you. rules. Please read the rules and just uh, jump in the conversation and you can you can disagree with me you can agree with me you can just voice your voice whatever opinion you have i would just like to see some actual conversations about the contents of the article uh there there were some good responses i don't want to make it seem like nobody did but i just in general i always think it's interesting uh when people have very strong reactions towards something without actually responding back to what uh, was being said so but anyway we talked about that yeah with that in mind yeah we, we talked about 20 minutes of that too so 20 minutes of morbius 20 minutes of this article because you know morbius is still kind of sort of part of the mcu so you get to hear uh hear us talk about that uh, morbius well wants just, to be in the mcu the mcu does not seem does. to want to have yeah. morbius morbius is that one kid in the cartoon lunch table who looks really ugly and all the character the protagonist characters look over and he's got like a bubble coming out of his nose and nope not sticking around buddy you got lice in your hair you're you're ugly that's morbius so we don't want him uh but yeah if you support for uh support on patreon for three dollars a month and you get access to a lot of early content like that i think the last few episodes it's been combined two hours of discussion content that's in the episodes they're always right at the start of the episode posted on patreon so you're you're getting it right away so even if you listen to this episode now you can go on patreon and just listen to the first 40 minutes and you'll be able to get all that new juicy relevant up-to-date content which i guess falls apart after one month because the internet timeline moves so quick but we are here otherwise to talk about top gun maverick and uh pretty relevant actually when talking about the mcu because uh um well before we i guess introduce the movie i had not seen top gun the first one until the day before going to see top gun maverick and the only reason i was interested in seeing top gun maverick is for two reasons one We've been seeing this trailer for like three years, and it just never convinced me. I was never interested in it. But then I went to go see Doctor Strange. And because we wanted to talk about the Avatar trailer, I had to get there early enough to see all the trailers. Sometimes I get up into that theater the second the movie starts, because you always have 20 minutes after your showtime starts to uh, get there. And uh, I want to make sure I'm not uh, having to go to the bathroom because movies are too long now. And instead of just showing the Top Gun Maverick trailer, they just showed a scene. It's the training montage scene in the film 
And it was so cool that I was like, all right, I got to see this movie. And it's not just that. I got to see it on the biggest screen possible. I got to see it. I mean, as it's being advertised and it totally got me, which in its own right is an interesting discussion to have about marketing. I mean, horror movies essentially do this all the time. They just show a scene and then they put up the title and then people go see the movie. I remember Chris La Llorona had that. Uh, of course, it's not really a particularly great movie to be mentioning, but it's a... Um, a movie that essentially did that. I think a conjuring film did that too, where they just played one of the, just a scene from the movie and then uh, people went to go check it out. Um, but they got me with that. And then secondly, I had just been hearing amazing buzz for Maverick uh, yes. the week before the release. Yeah. I saw on Letterboxd, it was getting more tens than anything else, which is really tough for a Letterboxd crowd. Of course, I am looking at the Morbius page right now, and it went from being a 2.0 to now having, well, now it's a 2.0 average. It was like a 1.7, but now it's getting a bunch of tens. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why Morbius is getting a bunch of 10 out of tens. Um, but... Uh, so those two things totally convinced me. Checked out Top Gun on Netflix. Wow, what a good movie. We definitely need to talk about that just briefly because it helps contextualize Maverick. Went and saw Maverick the next day. Wow, what a good movie Maverick was too. <laughs> I really can't wait for us to talk about it. Um, but uh, why don't we uh, at least say what Maverick's about? <laughs> I don't know, or unless you have a little bit of intro you wanted to do so too. So first I want to say... Um, I, w- I didn't go to my usual theater. Does does your movie theater play things other than movie trailers during the actual trailers part? Before the trailers start, they play like the Maria Menounes thing. Yeah, with, I'm uh, not whatever. counting that. I'm like- and then after tra- during the trailers, once the trailers end, because I only go to AMC, the AMC will just, they'll play their advertisements real quick for like A-list. The Nicole theaters, Kidman, Nicole Kidman up shows up um, <laughs> fresh off the set of the Northmen and then they go right into the film. But what what did you get? So my theater, they played a two hour, uh, two hour, two minute. (laughs) 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 I actually actually went to the wrong theater. I watched Pause of Fury. Um, um, (laughs) No, they played, they played. I just waited for Tom Cruise to show up. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I saw Morbius in my accident. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe this Morbius trailer is so long. uh two minutes beer commercial like a full beer commercial they played an ad for a ufc pay-per-view and then they played an ad for like a local like laser tag company movie theaters are trying man it was just, trying I, was, something. I, I generally money. multiple times i was like did i get in the wrong theater what is happening um but anyway it's so just I, a screen that shows ads nothing I'm, watch, else. I'm actually watching a tv through like someone's like window at home um so that but uh anyway i just want to know if that was just me but so I did see Top Gun Maverick in theaters. I saw Top Gun with my grandfather, like just sitting in his living room when I was eight years old. And I initially planned on rewatching Top Gun because boy, do I not re- like retain anything from it. I could tell you all about it because boy, it's good. Uh, one of the sweatiest movies on the planet. I'll tell you that. Hey there, it's your friendly neighborhood call to action. Just checking in on you. Hope you're doing all right. I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Hey, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S. and you know they love their freedoms. 
And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You want me to... expand Cinematic Doctrine. You know this already. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention, you get to tell us what to do. That's right, each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run, so I'll see you guys later. Alright, so Top Gun Maverick is the long, long long-awaited sequel to top gun i believe that this has been in some form of production for over 10 years initially the idea was that everyone from tony scott to val comer to tom cruise would come back and pick up in the way a traditional sequel will but of course things get delayed and gestated and i think the issues that tom cruise is having personally at various points in his career and life did not help that however this film is directed by joseph kaczynski who i really don't know anything about him outside of this movie it has several different uh, credited writers, uh, including Christopher McQuarrie, who you may know is the guy currently in charge of the Mission Impossible franchise, uh, which is may explain why some of this movie rips so very hard. Uh, but Top Gun Maverick does everything correctly as far as legacy sequels go. It doesn't necessarily try to rehash the original. It actually treats the characters like they have grown up and changed, namely Tom Cruise's uh, Maverick. He is now. He has not really moved on much in his career. He is right where he feels like he belongs. However, it's both a mixture of him being very good at what he does, but also an inability to move on. And he is, of course, called in to do one last mission where he has to go back to his old stomping grounds and train up a new group of people Uh, along the way. There are a couple plot developments that I won't spoil here. However, they actually do a good job of really marrying the established lore from your first Top Gun film and updating it for today. Uh, similar to the way that Creed updated a lot of the Rocky mythos while wiping away some of the stuff that should stay back in the 80s while keeping the heart of what makes those movies work so well. Top Gun Maverick is the same way with Top Gun, where it both embraces the thrill and joys of flying and of being a, a guy, being a dude, uh, as well as friendship and working together while sort of, you know, uh, acknowledging that these are fallible human people who make mistakes, particularly the time they really uh mention the fact that tom cruise is kind of grizzled and old in a way that i think is really nice uh it is a it is an old-fashioned film where most of the movie there is an action in the traditional sense though there are exciting training sequences and flying sequences there isn't really any violence until near the end of the film however it's all building up to that one mission and they help you understand the stakes they help you understand what is going on the rules why things are important how things can fail and they still manage to surprise you a few places anyway it is a great ride i saw in a theater filled with old people i went to a matinee showing multiple times during the movie people's phones slash alarms went off and of course it was the standard alarm sounds that come on your phone no (laughs) one seemed to mind though people clapped and cheered and laughed and it was a great old time top gun maverick is 
good old fashioned filmmaking updated for the 21st century. Oh yeah. Uh, it gets your blood pumping. I got emotional at a few scenes in ways yes. I didn't expect. Yes. Uh, particularly, and this isn't necessarily a spoiler, but they do include Val Kilmer's character, Iceman in a very respectful way. Oh, great. Um, Just great. Uh, acknowledging the fact that he is, for those who do not know, he had throat cancer and he had surgery that actually damaged his vocal cords. So the few times he's popped up in movies, he's mostly in non-speaking roles and they actually work that into the film very beautifully. Uh, I really like Top Gun Maverick. You don't need me to tell you that. If you're listening to a movie cup podcast, chances are you have heard good things about Top Gun Maverick already. But in case you're wondering what we thought, I thought it was a great time with the movies. See it in IMAX and Dolby if you can. Uh, but Melvin, what did you think of, I guess, the original Top Gun as well as Top Gun Maverick? Yeah, well, I think um, when I watched Top Gun, I pretty much jumped right into our little chat. And I said, like, this is a great pulpy film. I said, I've sort of been on a pulpy or two of my favorite watches this year. Most memorable watches this year have been Kimmy uh, with uh, Zoe um, Kravitz. Not Zoe Kravitz. That's right. I was going to say Zazie Beats. That's not right. Um, and uh, so Kimmy and then Top Gun. Both of them are very simple premises borderline inconsequential where like even if they failed it wouldn't matter <laughs> like it's almost that kind of pulpy back pocket kind of paperback story but it's just got rich characters realize this is stuff written by a seasoned writer who has already been past their theoretically past their prime and is now just writing because that's what they do it's just like breathing and so it just feels really good and kimmy felt like that for filmmaking where um uh, i could open it up right now just so i can sound like a professional because I have a podcast, <laughs> but I just want to get the director's name. Steven Soderbergh, who does like two movies a year sometimes. It's wild how busy. And they're all is. good. He's a great yeah, director. They're all decent to good. Um, and Kimmy was just memorably good. I really enjoyed it. Of course, Contagion, uh, not just because of COVID, but is also a very, very good movie. And that's, of course, been on everyone's mind lately. But Kimmy was great. And then Top Gun, same deal. It's just this premise that's just really simple i've jokingly said it's just a high school per, like football kind of movie <laughs> where it's we got to do our training and then it's yep. game night that's that's the movie um so there's really no stakes but because the characters are compelling because maverick as a character is arguably very simple but just as um i don't know it's just he's just a good character so is goose and Iceman and everybody involved is just you just want you want to stick around and watch what's going on. Plus, the setting is beautiful. I said it has some of the best sky shots I've seen in a movie just ever. Just it's consistently uses the sky to its benefit. Um, you know, I'm going through Stranger Things season one right now, and it I've been noticing how rainy it is during their shoot, which likely is not something they wanted because there's a couple shots where they really do try to have the sky in them in fact the the first shot of the buyer's house it shows the sky and it looks beautiful and then like the rest of the show it's raining and i'm like oh man what a bummer for these guys um and so just using the sky so well to for good reason because it's a flying movie um is great and then yeah the beginning of top gun and the end are just these excellent bookends of thrilling exciting flying um and yeah as far as i know i didn't do any reading with top gun it seems like the first was all actual flying with just the slightest of cg when he does the flying upside down of the other person which i'm sure they've recreated for real in maverick um <laughs> and uh so it's just it was a really good movie i absolutely enjoyed it i actually i maybe this is one of the criticisms people have of top gun but i even liked the romance i thought it was one of my it's probably one of my favorite movie romances because it's so 
you could arguably say toxic because it's so competitive <laughs> how they treat each other, but it was really interesting. So I was really enjoying that. Um, so I totally got on that train or plane, as you could say, of it being one of the class- classic greats. And of course, I, I, it's funny to make fun of Jerry Bruckheimer movies because they're such dad energy films. But like every one I've seen, I've liked. I've seen a lot. Like I've seen Con Air, which is almost like a parody of them, but it's really fun. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean, of course, is everybody likes except for Mark Kermode. Um, and then there's uh, what else do I have on my shelf? Uh, the Rock. That's a Jerry Bruckheimer. You did a lot of also, um, <laughs> yeah, lots of dad movies. Did he do Twister? Twister. Oh, you know what? He did that a lot of movies like that. But yes, it's that energy. You go to yeah. your grandparents' house and they have wood paneling. And then on the shelf where the television's set up, <laughs> there's all these movies. It's, it is his movies. And like, I was like, man, Top Gun's good. This guy, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He knows how to produce a movie. <laughs> this is Jerry Bruckheimer. He knows the thing or <laughs> two about movies. Have you guys heard of him? He's crazy. <laughs> I will say, like, to get, to continue the dad energy thing, uh, I know I said there's a lot of old people in my theater, but there were a couple, like, a, a teenager with their parents. There were several of those, which I haven't seen in a movie theater in a while. Maybe it's because I either see because <laughs> if you like, see a Marvel movie, it's not teenagers and parents. It's just it's like adult children, it's like Disney it's, adults. <laughs> it's actual children and twenty year olds, and then yeah. or I see like movies that like or podcasters. N- no one is seeing. Or um, not yeah. no one, but like movie movie yeah. Twitter type movies mm-hmm. where. You know, I'm guessing there aren't a lot of parents seeing crimes of the future in theaters this weekend. But, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> or unless yeah. they're cool. But that's right. Yeah, I I like I said, I retained very little from the original Top Gun. I more remember the vibe of it where you it's there's just lots a of cool movies. Sun. Cool movie. Uh I remember the famous Quentin Tarantino scene from Destiny Turns on the Radio where he's talking about the I think it was gay subtext in Top Gun. I don't really remember it, but it's like the only thing people remember from that movie. Destiny Turns on the Radio has not been re-released on DVD or anything in years, but it has a famous random scene where Quentin Tarantino is in it for some reason, where he talks about Top Gun. That's all I remember from it. So I actually wasn't particularly interested in a Top Gun sequel, where, gosh darn it, I'm so tired of these big franchises cashing on nostalgia. But that trailer was cool, and people kept talking about it because these things great and then i texted you and was like yo <laughs> i was like you gotta see this so i i had yeah. to see and i first and foremost there is it's interesting that this and michael bay's ambulance and a couple others are being yeah these I've former heard good things about ambulance yeah yeah these former pariahs of the movie industry where michael bay's everything wrong with blockbuster filmmaking and why would you <laughs> yeah. want to see a sequel to some 80s movie no one cares about it anymore but in this day and age, people love these things. They're seen as like these antidotes to the to the venom that is big superhero franchises. And people are celebrating something like Top Gun and Ambulance as saving cinemas. And I will say to a, to a certain extent, I can see where that is a Top Gun Maverick, where there is there is an old fashioned sensibility, like the opening credits and titles. To this movie are old fashioned. The yeah, fact that they great. have at the end credits, they have shots of the actors from the movie with their names over it. That's old fashioned. Yeah. The fact there's um, extended scenes of just Tom Cruise riding around <laughs> for no reason. Uh, that's that's old fashioned. Thank goodness. Yeah. And the fact that they, as Tom Cruise said in the video before the movie, they flew real planes as real G's. They didn't CGI planes in. They just put stuck cameras in cockpits and filmed them going while they flew around. Uh, That stuff is cool. And all of that basic movie making stuff, it still works. And that is sort of ties into kind of the theme of the film itself, where 
the early on Tom Cruise does something very risky. He flies a plane. He's not supposed to. So Ed Harris who plays, loves playing uh grump, 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 grumply, grumply, <laughs> grumpy, grumpy, grumpy old men. Uh, Ed Harris loves playing his characters. He gets grumpy at Tom Cruise and he's like, eventually we're going to have drones and there's robots and we don't need fi- pilots like you, your old fashioned, your old hats. You're, you're going to, we're, we're kicking you out. There's no future for you here. And Tom Cruise, both in his real life where he keeps trying to kill himself, making a mission impossible movies and his character in this movie are insistent that the old ways still work. And that is sort of shown out in the movie itself where they have these old fashioned movie making chops and the formulas work. And there's a lot of stuff that's quote unquote formulaic. Like the minute he joins, cause they need him, they need him to go back to Top Gun and train a bunch of young recruits to do a mission. And the second that is said, you're like, Tom Cruise is going to fly this mission. Tom Cruise is going to be involved in this mission. And you know that the Miles Teller character and him are going to reconcile and blah, blah, and the Glenn Powell's cocky, arrogant guys can learn to be humble and blah, blah, blah. But it's the way they do it. You're watching these old masters come out of retirement to show these youngsters how to do it kind of thing. It's like the, yeah, the formulas are old and tired and tried and true, but the way they're being executed is done with precision and a steady hand. And it's just, it's, it's still effective and it still works. Can I let you in on a secret, Dan? I didn't think any of that was going to happen. Did you really not? I just was like, I I really thought like, oh, that'll like, be interesting. Are they going to work together? <laughs> they need I, to. This mission won't work unless they do. Well, I, I <laughs> genuinely. In your seat, like tense and sweating. Like. So I, um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of, <laughs> so I did not think they were going to like let him do anything like that. I thought it was going to be just entirely the team. I, um, even when the movie I think is going to end and I really thought it was going to end there, it like keeps going and it keeps going extremely well. You thought those so characters just were like, just dead. You're like, wow, what a, what a dour note to end on. Well, I just didn't expect <laughs> it to get so, well, I wouldn't have thought dour cause I thought by that point the film has handled itself so well that it True. knows what it's doing. Yeah, yeah. And so for me, I just, I thought, although dour would have been crazy, <laughs> like that would have been wild. I think China wanted that. Um, China helped support the film, but then pulled out because the film was too pro- us at some point but they still got their money's worth so it doesn't matter um <laughs> tom cruise wins again baby. China. Yeah. yeah maybe that's uh, why but, like also there's a there's an enemy in the movie that they are they're never named i don't even think you see the faces of any of the people they all wear helmets so they can release this in every market it's like the know? first one man the first one's just like a, a ship is being attacked then they just go fight the planes. <laughs> you never see their faces they look like tie fighters it's great um it's so funny but yeah, going from Top Gun though to Maverick, it was it felt really good. I actually by the by the middle of the film, I was thinking this is the best legacy movie I've seen. I don't think I uh, I've seen a better one. I mean, I I Creed Creed is still my favorite of any of these types of. Uh, I haven't checked out Creed, and I uh, have I guess you watched the Rocky movies? I haven't even seen them. I oh man, really want to. And You're I'm sure in for I'll, a ride, dude. Yeah, I, I don't. I get to go into them blind. I really don't know much of anything about them. I so I'm pretty excited about that. But um, but yeah, I, I was like, this is probably the best legacy movie I've seen, where they carry in themes and develop on stuff into this film where yeah there's sort of this idea of like we're getting rid of the old and the news coming in so you can look at that as a cultural thing as like there's a lot of uh, generational frustrations going on between older folk and younger folk i don't need to expand on that you can just trust me there's also the uh, film culture aspect of it of like he's kind of like an old classic star and the new stars are coming in and they're much more i don't know like for us, you and me, for film fans, people even listening in, 
they know of sp- particular actors and movies, but nobody really does that anymore. People go to movies to see IP, hence Morbius, at least initially. <laughs> um, and so, uh, although I don't know if that even counts, <laughs> like if, if Morbius even counts, nobody knew who he was before, and people still don't really know who he is now. <laughs> I think they're more confused now that he got re-released. Uh, but <laughs> he doesn't say Morbin time, so they're just like, "What they're is like, what this?" The heck? I thought that's what he did. I thought that's what thought that was his character it's this whole thing but um but there was all that i i thought even how it the film is like stupidly melancholy i don't know if you felt that too like you said you got emotional and i, I did too but like the movie's really melancholy like from the start on where it's sort of like yeah, like even just the opening scene of there, him there's an understated plane. melancholy, like the scene where oh, he yeah. goes to the bar, he's at the bar, you know, yeah, he's just sitting there and like, <laughs> he's just alone. He's just so it's like the sorry old man, and it like it never stops really being melancholy. The movie continues to be melancholy, where it's like Tom Cruise isn't racing against his dad now; he's basically racing against himself. Wow, what a deep introspection of of growing up. But like he's having to deal with his own riskiness and now having to train people so it's like it's 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 just good man yeah I, and he's it's, he's sort of realizing that his time is coming up and so like going he's back old. to top gun he's just an old man in now. real life tom cruise is almost 60 so i think he is 60 it says he's, he's born 62 so he's, he's 59. just about okay yeah he's 59 but old man he um and so the only reason he hasn't been kicked out of the navy is because he's tight with Iceman. Uh, who is now like a really important like figure who can like basically bail him out of any sort of situation he's running into, but being called back to Top Gun, it's implied that this kind of is his last mission. And that once this is over, he's going to be kind of forced into retirement or something. And so going back to his old stomping grounds, it's his full circle moment, but for him, it is kind of the end. And so I guess, do you want to get into a little more spoilery at this point to get more into the plot or? Oh, it'll make it a lot easier to talk about. So uh, I- I'll just say if, if you haven't seen it for spoilers, it's just some excellent filmmaking, uh, even on their topic of sort of like talking about franchise fatigue. And of course, this is a f- franchise. Of course, it's like a f- 30 some 40 some year old sequel, but a really good one. Um, I mean, we haven't even talked about special effects, but because they just use actual flying and they used all this stuff, the movie feels good. Parts where my eyes are just wide because I want to see as much as I can. I I said to Catherine, I almost gasped and covered my mouth at scenes, like just being that compelled to react to a movie. Um, I, I also, before we even go on to spoilers, I it is important for me to say that if I was not an artsy fartsy film guy this would be my number one of the movie uh, of the number one movie of the year this is my number three right now with rrr being number two check it out it's on <laughs> netflix and everything everywhere being number one i was just it's it's this year has just had th- three 10 out of 10 movies dan what is happening ah, what, what is it about movies are back, baby. <laughs> I know. it's like it's crazy to me okay i didn't give rr t- i give it a nine but we'll just uh, we'll bump that up to number 10 uh but it's just a great these are these are really good movies even scream that new scream movie was great dr strange was good I, batman i still think seven out of ten but i 
appreciate. I think that's good. I've seen some crazy movies. Even and, Our and, Father and being you, like, and you are on the lower end of Batman. Oh, I am. And too, so, so for other people, there's been yeah. like ten great movies yeah. this year, except they can't say on Doctor Strange because it wasn't rated R. And the poor kids, little, <laughs> or, little or kids whatever. cried. Meanwhile, Sonic Two is their number one movie of the year. But like, even <laughs> Our Father it should was, be yeah, no yeah. scene in any movie top or otherwise Daniel, made me feel the spoke. It's Moonfall. Moonfall is <laughs> number one of the year. <laughs> But, and, um, even but, the moon falling to earth doesn't match shadow the hedgehog being revealed that's it's so true that should have been one oscar the moon is helping us yeah <laughs> forget flash entering the speed force to beat up people in hawaii it's shadow the hedgehog that's the oscar cheer moment but yeah i mean even our father was uh, this visceral physical experience of a movie too even though that's only like 12 out of 31 for me this year so like i've just been like it's just been great. So Top Gun Maverick, though, yeah, number three of the years. I, I just I texted everybody when I got out of the theater. I was like, Kat, you need to drive because I got a text. And like, it was just like, so yeah, you got to check it out. We're going to talk about spoilers, but I even think even if you stayed listening, you, the movie's still good. But yeah, I don't know yeah, I, where you feel about this for movie, this this movie this year. It's but. really it's really good. I, I like I said, I'm not. Gener- generally speaking, I'm not a fan of like vehicle extreme sportsy type movies. I don't care about cars. I don't care about boats or planes or any of that stuff. Um, I just something about it just doesn't click for me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not somebody who enjoys watching cars crash into each other or uh, that that sort of thing. But that said, Top Gun Maverick really sold me on it. Like, it really did a good job of bringing me into this world where I understood why someone like Tom Cruise would like really get like the like what he gets out of going very fast in a plane where he hits 10 g's like those early moments where he's flying and you see what it is like for him where he can push his limits and seeing what that can do for especially his character who's getting older and time is kind of passing him by a little bit but he could still in that moment he's still the guy he was in 1986 or whatever like so they did a good job bringing me into this beautiful kind of experience and again, that's kind of what movies are to take you into places you otherwise wouldn't go to meet people you would never have met. And Top Gun Maverick does that really well, which then you place that into the overall plot where they they invite you. They, you see these through this great, enjoyable cast of characters and the threat that's looming over them actually feels tense. There's some real stakes at play and it's just a really solid time with the movie. So, oh, yeah, I wouldn't give it like a 10 out of 10, but it's. I also can't really think of anything they do wrong. Like my only issues would be matters of my own personal taste. So the fact that this has like a 98% critic, 99% audience on Rotten Tomatoes is not a, there, that is not a mistake. There is a reason this movie is getting overwhelming praise from everyone. It, managed to be it is a uh, 4.2 average on Maverick. That's out of five uh, on Mar- on letterbox. And it is number 169 out of their top 250. It is. Yeah, it's, it's it, it it's is crazy. a rare film that kind of it works for everyone. Like movie yeah. nerds will appreciate the like the practical effects in filmmaking. Yeah. Your dad will like the fact that there's like you know a bunch of soldiers and planes doing America stuff, and then like yeah. your family will like the big cheerworthy stuff at the end. It really does work. It's for also everyone, funny. Like it's got some good humor that's it's, like way better than the quippy dialogue of any Marvel thing. <laughs> it's like it's good it's, stuff. Well. Yeah, my theater didn't laugh much, but like when they do laugh, they did laugh pretty well, pretty heartily. But yeah, yeah it's they're all very likable characters and people. So like you, you really like Bob by the end, you know, it's yes. hard not to like Bob. So, um, but going into spoilers, yes, officially. the big, 
the big plot element is, and I this was a great decision they made. This is a genius decision. The fact that Goose correct dies in the first movie mm-hmm. is yes. an important plot point in the in the original Top Gun. He's established to have a son who I don't know if he was even named. Uh, there's two things like that. <laughs> yeah, Gen- Jennifer so. Connelly's character is actually mentioned by name in the first Top Gun movie. She doesn't appear on screen, but she's mentioned as oh the admiral's daughter Penny, whatever. And so Jennifer Connelly is playing that character in this movie. And the other one is his son is grows up to be Miles Teller, uh, who, for the record, I've never particularly liked Miles Teller as an actor. Really? I think he's okay. He's good in, he's totally fine in otherwise great movies. So, like, he's good in Whiplash, but J.K. Simmons runs the show in that. He's good in other things. However, this did was the like most Did you like him in like, Too Old to Die Young, or did you, like everyone else, not watch that? I had never seen that, so no. Okay. But, but <laughs> nobody watched that. <laughs> he's I didn't see that boxing movies in either, uh, even though I was interested, but he's he's pretty good in this. Um and so he has he's bitter towards Tom Cruise's character because Tom Cruise has actively gotten in the way of his Navy career. He pulled his papers from going to the academy and so on and so forth. So there's this bitter rivalry. And so Tom Cruise sees his own previous mistakes in this character. Uh, meanwhile, his main rival is played by Glenn Powell, who's a really good actor who isn't in a ton of stuff, but he's he's a guy in a lot of movies you've seen him like. Like he's in Hidden Figures in that in he's in Hidden Figures. He's good. He was in Expendables three for some reason, uh, but he's a very charismatic actor. And here he gets to just be the smarmy, uh, cocky guy who everyone doesn't like. And there's a couple other people who are all pretty pretty good in this. And the for me, I love John Hamm who I just wish he was a bigger leading man in things. He is so good in everything he's in. He really is. He should be in more stuff. I don't know why Mad Men didn't make him the biggest movie star in the world, but people wanted him to play Batman. I think he'd be a great Batman, but. Oh, I remember fan casting for that. Yeah. Uh, but he's sort of the no nonsense, true neutral uh, general who's working above Tom Cruise. He's telling him to play by the book and Tom Cruise, because he's Tom Cruise, likes to, <laughs> likes to bend the rules a little bit. And, uh, but the, so the main tension is he has his Tom Cruise's tension with Miles Teller and he sort of is a pseudo father figure to him, but Miles Teller hates him. So he's trying to teach all these young people what to do, but he realizes that they're like, he kind of can't in some ways because he, he just is the perfect pilot. He doesn't really know how to teach that. And he doesn't really like, but as he's seeing his own career come to an end, he doesn't really know who he is outside of that. He also has this romance with Jennifer Connelly's character where he is sort of seeing like what maybe a life outside of this could be like, but he doesn't really know how to move on from that. And there's some really good solid drama and all this plays over these, these really fun, interesting training montages where they're running drills and they're trying to fly planes and they play football together. And like all these ingredients work together so well where you really, by the end, you were just can't help, but gosh, darn it. You want to see them run this mission and gosh, darn it. You yeah. want to see them succeed. Yeah. It's, but it it's is. also like you don't want to see them run the mission because of the mission. Because Be- the mission is probably going to kill them. So they yeah, have to. The, unlike the first one where there's no stakes, this one immediately is like, this is a suicide mission. <laughs> and yes. it's like the most where terrifying John thing Hamm in the world. is like, Tom Cruise is like, unless they do it this way, they're going to die. He's like, well, you can't do it that way. He's like, well, then they're going to die. John Hamm's like, ah, they, do, they do the risks. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah. So Tom Cruise, and it's a great little humanizing thing where Tom Cruise is the reason he's being the way he is, is he doesn't want to see these people die. Because part of their job sucks, is going but, home, you know, because he wants yeah. them to go home. Yes. And and but the way they need to do it in order to not die is so 
scientifically impossible, impossible. <laughs> but tom cruise could do it baby he <laughs> yeah <laughs> so there's a scene where he gets removed from the mission but then he flies the mission perfectly in the in the simulation and not just perfectly it's the goal was three minutes john ham comes in and says we're doing it in four minutes and 30 seconds and the, everyone's like we're, we can't do that they're gonna get us <laughs> and then he just shows up set my timer to two minutes and 30 seconds <laughs> and you're like is he gonna like, do it is yeah. he gonna do it yeah <laughs> you know and, and like obviously i know he's gonna do it but people it, crack I'm beers in the theater and start <laughs> clacking together yeah. oh uh, man. yeah it's it all it all works to get it all meshes together so perfectly and it, it is it's 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 when we talk about good popcorn movies there i think there is this sense that like a good popcorn movie is just things blow up but the reason that people ragged on the Transformers movies for so long is that you just didn't care about anything that happened in those movies. Here, this is a, it's a good popcorn movie because it's exciting. It's exciting in a way where you feel invested in what's happening to these characters. You want them to succeed. Incredibly invested. You, yes. you don't want to see them get hurt or die. There's one scene early on during a train mission where a guy falls asleep and people in my theater gasped. Oh my like, gosh. Oh no. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a tra- in my head, I'm like, it's a training mission. There's no way this guy's actually going to die. But everyone was so like, <laughs> caught up. Everyone's so caught up. They're just like, oh. It's a training know? mission where Goose died. So I'm yeah, like, I, I don't know. True. President says that it could happen. <laughs> it uh, totally happened. Uh, speaking <laughs> of, I, I do want to touch upon I did not believe that Val Kilmer was going to appear in this movie. Like I did not think it was going to happen. I, when you see his picture and then you get texts between him and Tom Cruise, they listed him in the casting in the beginning. So I was positive. I was like, okay, I guess he's in it somehow until that happened. I was just like, there's like, Oh, are they actually going to put him in the movie? And then, then you see his picture. I was just like, okay, like that's clearly kind of a new picture. So maybe they, that's why, but no, um, because they reached that point in the movie where Tom Cruise is like, I can't do this. I don't think this is successful. This Miles Teller kid hates me. And then he gets a text from Val Kilmer, who is just Iceman in his phone, which is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I need to see you. And so he goes and he first he sees uh, Val Kilmer's wife, who tells him like, but the first he says like, it's back. He can barely talk. And I was like, oh, that's how they're going to do it. And so he goes in and it's Val Kilmer and he's back as Iceman and they hug. And immediately the tone and everything about the scene is so like, it just feels different than the movie because there's, there's an extra layer of like, they really are trying to like show respect and honor to this actor and character. And there seems to be genuine camaraderie and, and uh, fondness between the two of them. And they're hugging and at first Val Kilmer is just typing on a lap uh, on a screen. So Tom Cruise can read it. And Val Kilmer is telling him that it's time to move on and let go. And, all this stuff. And then finally at the end, he belaboredly talks and I guess him who the best pilot is. And Tom Cruise is like, Oh, <laughs> let's not do this it. right now. And they chuckle <laughs> and they hug it. and people in my theater were getting teary eyed. And I was getting a little emotional. I was like, this is a very beautiful scene. And it's like, it's the good of the stuff we complain about. Like this only kind of fully works with both nostalgia and respecting a long, like past its prime franchise. And they, but also like acknowledging kind of the real world elements going on. It's all the stuff that some people get tired of, but when done really well, there's a reason people constantly trying to hit that nostalgia button. There's a reason we get Ghostbusters, Afterlife and that stuff. But here it works so well because it's, it's done with such tenderness and genuine fondness for the the franchise but it's also warranted and it works for the movie but it works for the movie but also like it it it's i mean the 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 perfect antithesis to this 
is Harrison Ford is still doing pirating in, in Star Wars Episode Seven, and the guy's like 70 years old and can barely walk and also injured himself on set, and yet they're still saying, you got to run away from stormtroopers. And it's just, it doesn't, it's not as fun to watch him be who he was when he was younger so that he can go home after work and complain to his wife about how he doesn't have the same energy, but I got to make money to pay for our surgeries. This is more like the, the, the tone of that scene, like you said, changing is so impactful because it's just two older men really <laughs> reflecting on yes. their age, really yes, the- reflecting on the unique struggles of being 60 years old, <laughs> except in their hyperbolized premise yeah. where and, like in and, and Val Kilmer's character is, is said to have basically have cancer of some kind. Yeah. So. And like that adds so much more heft, <laughs> heft and romance to yeah. it. It adds so much more like it's, it's not just like, uh, I don't know, cool lasers and explosions. <laughs> it's just like relatable. It's, it's reflective. Yeah. It's, it's emotional. It's what we want from fiction where we get to step into something that's not like us. So for you and me being, 20 something 30 somethings it's we haven't experienced this part of our life yet but because of its portrayal despite the fact that maverick is so basically a superhero <laughs> like and well, he's still also tom cruise you know so, yeah. yeah okay so tom cruise is just a real life superhero <laughs> then uh, but Catherine always says it's the scientology it's the superpowers he yeah, gets for being a scientology well, he's but, got those what is it those thetans out of his body so you can yeah so can do all this stuff <laughs> the aliens are helping him but um they're helping uh, him at the box office we, we all we got pretty far without making a scientology joke so i think yeah, I, I, think, I think we finally are into it but <laughs> yeah but but that's what makes it work for me and because the whole film is like that. The whole film, like the melancholy of the bar scene is like, Tom Cruise is too old to be partying with these kids. It would look weird. <laughs> like, But also, it's Goose. Goose's son partying, doing something that Goose would do. Yeah, singing Great Balls of Fire. And it's way. just... Yeah. So they do a flashback to a scene that's otherwise fun, which when I watch Top Gun and that scene goes on, I'm like, oh man, Goose is dead. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Goose. You're going to die in the next 10 minutes. And then he does. But like, uh, which at some point you start building up characters such a good friend i'm like oh he's out oh, i'm so sorry but they do that to like where in the first film it's really fun and then this film it's just like a heartbreaking scene where even jennifer Connolly looks out and just sees like maverick's heads like down and he looks he's tom cruise is acting his heart out because he's probably thinking oh no i am old oh, i can't do this anymore and so it's just just good stuff yeah. man it's good filmmaking well, it's good fiction y- you compare it to the whole harrison ford and, and the star wars that just came back but yeah in this movie they do a much better job of the franchise kind of grew up with the characters and therefore grows up with the audience, which even to an extent, the Harry Potter films did that where as, and well, I should say the books and then the movies followed suit where the problems and the type, the problems the kids face as they get older mirrors, the problems that the children growing up reading the Harry Potter books feel. And to an extent, like, and again, to, to reference Creed, Creed does this masterfully with Rocky Balboa's character, but here, yeah, like the, the, 20 30 somethings that saw the first top gun are now old men and they get to watch as goose uh, goose as maverick and Iceman reminisce about being old men and so the, the fact they lean into this aspect they don't try to hide it they don't dye the character's hair they don't try they don't just thank goodness they don't just bring in tons of stunt doubles to just do all the same action scenes this isn't you know mark old mark hamill doing jedi things you know this oh, is man thank this goodness. is 
they they use that to their advantage and they, so you yes. see like the frailty of the characters which helps make the later action with these younger characters feel more like impactful because there's a sense of like oh these are human beings that could die or have died right or, right and later iceman's character does pass away and it gives the it's what gives mavericks like you know tom cruise the 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 drive to continue and complete this mission he started but yeah it gives the thing weight and it's like it helps like this doesn't feel like a cheap cash in it feels like everyone involved wanted to tell a story but like there's a story here where the characters have all grown up and progressed and like this isn't this isn't they're not playing a nostalgia tour. this isn't like a band getting back together to play the hits on a nostalgia tour this is a full new story with the characters have grown up and there's a bunch of new characters I don't know. It's just they do everything right. And that's the thing I keep coming back to is as I'm thinking about the movie and I was thinking about it all day yesterday. I was just like, yeah, they did. This is this is the best version of that 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 this could have been like a lot of people are saying this is better than the first Top Gun film. I I would agree with that. I think the first Top Gun is really good. It's eight out of ten for me. I thought it was just brilliantly made. Beautiful movie. The it's ever in that situation. Yes, everything is being done right. But then this it's just. I don't know. It's like if I drank the wine that was 10 years old was Top Gun, but now I'm drinking wine that's 40 years old. It's just better. It's, it's more refined pure. It's, it's just good. So I, I can completely agree with that sentiment that it's better. And, uh, the actual mission is pretty tense. Like once oh my they get gosh, there. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, when he has to pick a wingman, he picks, uh, he picks, uh, Miles Teller because of course he has to, cause you know, it's still a movie, but and if things go wrong, there are a couple things that they didn't expect to happen do happen, and it's exciting and tense. And then Tom Cruise's plane just gets shot down, and then it just cuts to black <laughs> for a second. <laughs> Me and my yeah. theater were just stunned, and then it cuts to different perspective. Great, and then it turns out he survived. great choice. And because uh, Miles Teller actually goes back to save him, and it's a wonderful scene because initially Tom Cruise got shot down because he was saving Miles Teller's character. And this is how men solve their problems is by getting into horrible, dangerous situations together and therefore earn each other's respect. And then they have to go behind enemy lines. And of course, an old plane is sitting in a hangar. Yeah. And of course, that's what they get. <laughs> and it's like, all right, the movie's earned this moment. It, they got the, and so they, Tom Cruise teaches him how to use this old plane where nothing works on it. They have to use strategy to get out of the situation because they have to, like, they're all these younger, more, uh, well-equipped high-tech planes are fighting them and they have to figure out how to like strategically beat these planes and they turn a single dogfight between two planes and it's extremely satisfying and exciting intense action scene again like i know and i was this is something i will talk about when we get to the end but i know we keep comparing it to like comic book movies but yeah there's not armies and armies of faceless alien goons getting shot but it's just two people fighting in a plane and it's so much more exciting and interesting it than, is yes yes than just a million 100%. faceless like goons getting shot by by one blazer person or whatever and they and again it's realistic to to an extent it's very unrealistic but it's a realistic extent where they hit a point where they cannot win they are going to lose and it's only because the initial cocky guy glenn powell who everyone hates comes up and saves a day and he looks at them and they have a knowing look between each other where they all learn each other's respect and again it's another cheer worthy moment where everyone's like pumped but like that scene works because there's rules there's clear stakes like there's limitations put on the characters that they have to overcome and then when they can overcome no more then you can throw in a little bit of movie magic to save them and it's then they they get back and tom cruise and mouth teller a moment 
where they thank each other for saving him and he thanks him and Miles Teller sells him it's what Goose would have done and everyone in theater starts crying again and they hug because they're just having a bro out moment and it's just so good it's just so satisfying and uh yeah I just that's the whole plot of the movie right there <laughs> but it's great like the actual like yeah the events and plot isn't much but again the execution is so perfect that it really elevates uh, what is a pretty standard screenplay in some ways to something really special because it's just it's just they don't, it's like it, I want to say they don't make them like they used to but this movie exists so they still do make them like they used to, to yes, extent, yes so. they do but I've been rambling but uh, before we get into some other things I want to talk about uh, do you have any other thoughts on not particularly I mean I I did find it interesting like I was talking to Kat a lot about how I because we all watch movies differently and we kind of step away with different things for me it was I was thinking of it more culturally just that the movie has a hopeful perspective of like generational working together stuff where like there's frustrations between maverick being the the old head and the younger team and there's a respect mutual partnership because that's how you're going to get the mission done but there's also the unique personal frustrations of miles teller's character rooster and uh, maverick and how they frustratingly get through those things to then succeed in the end. I just found a compelling and uh, I, you know, since I saw this, I never even got around to writing my letterbox review. So there's actually a lot of thoughts that I still haven't really taken from the abstract down into specific wording, but I, I just found all that nice. I think um, after Marvel movies being after so many not just, I, I think when we say Marvel movie, we also mean any movie that a, another studio tries to do that's like a Marvel movie. So we'll, I'll, I'll yeah, call it a R.I.P. Spec- Dark Universe. Yeah. <laughs> it just had its anniversary, like I think two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> oh, I celebrated. Don't worry. <laughs> but um, I, uh, but spectacle movies, right? Like um, I wouldn't call them blockbusters, but spectacle movies or world movies where things feel fake and saccharine and they almost feel incomplete and they're committee and they don't, they don't have any sense of realism, even though uh, we talked about this in our Patreon exclusive section, but they can feel like they mentioned serious problems with the world. And then they solve it with like an infinity stone. Oh, great. I wish I could find that. (laughs) Um, I insert um, weirdo right winger thinking this is uh, alchemist trying to make this philosopher stone, but um, I, I just found myself talking a bit like that with Catherine about the film, but then I was also like, but also the movie's great because it's not really about anything like that. It's just about, it's just a, another pulpy movie about a nameless villain where they got uranium. We don't like that. <laughs> they don't even say what ally it's near. They're just like, there's a, uh, somebody we don't like is building it like a uranium <laughs> reserve near an ally okay <laughs> he might as well have said the baddies got it you know yeah, or and it's right next to the goodies that we like <laughs> and so it's just it's just solid stuff because that doesn't really matter because when you go to the movies you want to have a fun time even if you're going there to be scared or challenged like i've even heard criticism for uh, alex collins newest movie men being too like stereotypical a24 where it's just sort of another male directed male written movie about women's problems that is basically like nudging them going, I understand, but it's more like a McLovin's character and promising young woman where it's like, I understand also it'd be really nice if you slept with me, that kind of aesthetic. 
Um, this isn't anything like that where it's just fun stuff constantly. We're going to get emotional because it's fun to cry. We're going to get, we're going to get excited because it's fun to watch planes fly around. We're going to have this pilot get knocked out by the G force. Cause it feels great to be really afraid for this guy's life only for him to survive. All of that stuff is just a ton of fun. And even uh, my biggest criticism for Texas Chainsaw is like, man, the movie just wasn't fun. And that's my least favorite of the year still. And uh, I I think just in the last few years, it's you've had the Marvel movies kind of try to pioneer what the current age of fun is. And Doctor Strange is one of the most fun Marvel movies we've had in years. And <laughs> a ton of people were afraid of that movie. So I don't know, man. I'm just I'm glad to watch a movie that I guess isn't offensive to to babies who can't watch a guy's brain melt and then also it's a really really well made wonderfully shot excellent film with just some awesome effects i mean i can't wait to see like a behind the scenes where they're talking about like uh yeah we almost died let's tell you about that or something like that yeah driving home from theater i was worried about this episode because i was like how many different ways can i go this movie's sick like that's all i really have to say about it you were passing it over to me i'm like do i repeat what i've just said i I hope i said something there's only so many ways i could go yeah this movie totally ripped dude it's (laughs) just like it's There's nothing particularly wrong with it. Like you can you can try and be like, oh, it's kind of American military propaganda, isn't it? Barely. There's, like that, there's that scene with Tom Cruise in front of an American flag. I mean, like it's that's it's, like saying it's, a movie it's not with American only men military in it is propaganda. <laughs> like, well, okay, it's, it's pro. <laughs> fast airplanes are sick. That's like <laughs> it's pro like, cool. <laughs> literally, like the enemy is completely irrelevant. Like they even gave them the most vaguest thing. They just have plutonium. Like. This felt like a script for the 80s in that regard. Where we're just it's like unobtainium vague. from Avatar 1. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's not about that. It's about the journey of these characters. Like, I guess yes. any movie that doesn't portray the military as monstrously evil is quote unquote propaganda. But I mean, okay, fine, whatever. But this movie just makes you want to join the military because you get to fly planes and live in Florida. Like, that's awesome. Cool. I'll do it. Or California. <laughs> I don't know. Wherever they're at. But it's beautiful there. That's all I got to say. And so, uh, sign me up, baby. Get me in the military. Uh, free college. Free college. <laughs> That's uh, right. I will say, though, like, I basically wonder, like, would this movie have been so not just warmly received, like celebrated if it had released at any other like time in Hollywood history? Right. Like if this had come out in 2006, would people be like pumping their fists like, yeah, Top Gun Maverick movie of the year? Well, t- uh I'll preface it by saying talking theoreticals is silly for me. So whatever I say at this point, <laughs> I, I equally think is silly. So I'm just saying to say that. Secondly, <laughs> um, like, like I'm just to say that well, the, the following it, message like, does not. Because <laughs> I don't know how to. I don't know how to answer something that's not real. But like, <laughs> uh, cue the atheist listening to our podcast who's going, "Well, you like God? So what are you talking about?" <laughs> like, okay, but like. <laughs> <laughs> But this, Why would you listen to an hour and a half of a talk of Top Gun Maverick? <laughs> You're just like, I don't know. But okay, okay. But because part of why the movie works too is the time it's coming out. I've talked about this plenty of times whenever I mention um, Captain America um, uh, Winter Soldier. Like literally two weeks after drone strikes are being talked about constantly on the news. And then we're talking about uh, the premise of that film is what if we preemptively killed people that algorithmically we think are bad? Like – yeah, that's like <laughs> a really interesting thing to think about. And of course, it's in the Marvel system. But that movie actually is really quite fascinating because it's also a really well-made 
borderline 007 Captain America movie, but but it released at just the right time. And like, I think Maverick is kind of similar where, yeah, you and I are movie podcast people. We've been going to the movies for the last year. But Maverick comes just when people are feeling, I mean, COVID cases have been rising again. But now there's even podcasts I've listened to where people really had not been going out to the movies until now. And we're planning specifically to break that fast with Maverick. So I would almost say like Maverick is kind of like that last bastion of of it's also the first time people are back in theaters and seeing something really cool. But also like it is a movie theater movie. It's kind of like we, we mentioned Doctor Strange a lot since seeing it because it's a good movie. But everything everywhere all at once is more of a see it in the movie theater kind of movie because of its filmmaking than Doctor Strange was. So even Maverick being this wonderful film to watch on the on the screen where you have these jet engines that just sound awesome. I, I don't we didn't even mention this, but have you gone to an air show ever? No, like I said, that's not I've really my thing. Been to a couple air shows as a kid, um, and they're really, really cool. I mean, just the power of it. I mean, I've been to a couple of NASCAR races too, and they're just worth to go to at least once just to like the power of these engines is unbelievable take please for the love of god please take earplugs because it's painfully loud but that's part of the experience and so the film itself capturing that indoor dolby or imax experience me being pro dolby but um it's just got all of what you kind of want right now so i think to answer your question if it released later or, or earlier maybe i mean 2006 was probably a more forgiving time to see a movie anyway than it is now i mean goodness gracious um, because we're all celebrating Top Gun Maverick not being a Marvel movie, but it is still a sequel. So it's it's still a known IP and stuff like that. But I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't, like I said, I think the question is a little silly because it works in a, in a realm that I don't know if it, it's even possible to talk about. Plus, I was 11 years old at the time. So how could I tell if it was released a good well at 2006? I mean, man, what, what came out in 2006? Was that even a good year for movies? I know 2009 is what a lot of people consider the worst year for movies. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I think it's released at a good time though. It's basically the first summer movie this year. It did have some, um, I don't know it earlier this year. Like I said, the only other good movies I've seen are bordering on art or foreign film. So this is like the first great movie. I mean, people saw Batman and liked it, but that's not really a, that's an intellectually interesting movie, but that wasn't like fun and no way home was last year, but that was still just it very closely bordered on things we know, but it turned out really great. I don't know. What do you think about it? Do you think this would have done well a couple of years ago? Or like, do you think this I is think, like just right? Yeah, I think it would have done well if it had like, I know like to talk with theoreticals, if it had this level of technical proficiency, um, I think it would have yes, done well. If and, it, if it had, if it, I don't know how they would have done this in 2006 because DSLRs were not that popular like, then. during like the 3D craze, like when Avatar came out. I could see this being a this big This could have been cool in movie. 3D. I would have seen but, this in 3D. Yeah, I think that extra element of it's almost like <laughs> a conquering hero come to save and release us from the shackles of a pandemic slash Morbius filled time like Top Gun Maverick. And, is- you know, bookending because Mission Impossible um, Fallout was right before the pandemic. It was 2019 and people loved that movie. People oh, yeah. were saying that was the best action, one of the best action movies ever. So like Tom Cruise, man, See, Henry started- Cavill uh, load his arms like they're guns. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> yes. it's sick. Uh, it looks great. That movie. It's wild. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a uh, <laughs> it's 
Yeah, it's it's also interesting watching the complete career rehabilitation of Tom Cruise because I remember when he was like person non grata, like he because of the whole Scientology jumping on Oprah's couch thing, like they but that was like the nineties, right? That was a no, that was early two thousands. His movie really? Valkyrie, which came out in like two thousand seven. I do remember. I saw Valkyrie. I. I forgot like, that I've signed in until you just said it, actually. He, I remember the but. advertising like minimized the fact Tom Cruise was like the star of the movie because he was considered such like box office poison. The only other movie he was like quote unquote in was Tropic Thunder for like a year. You know? So it's like he was like his career was like dead. That's right. He, and he had those Jack Reacher movies that ha- that first one, I think I watched it because my parents were watching it, had the worst car chase I've seen in a movie ever yeah but the it rest was of the not awesome good. i really like that jack reacher movie i guess it's, i gotta it's rewatch a, it it's but... a pretty fun action movie if you go in with like the correct expectations which is you're gonna see tom cruise kill a bunch of people and robert <laughs> duvall's in the movie for some reason is a sniper of all things it, it's like it's kind of like it's a lot like nobody in a lot of ways but uh, i know jack reacher is still like it's the it's the franchise has yet to really become a big franchise despite existing forever and ever but well now it's on amazon yeah, Probably, right. It's yeah, but it's like the, another Jack Reacher thing out there. But yeah, uh, but like seeing him like go from that social pariah, like weirdo guy, he's whatever, to like the savior of the modern blockbuster <laughs> has been absolutely <laughs> fascinating to me. Yeah, everyone's like this guy's weird. He's like creepy. He's got too many teeth in his mouth. Blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> it's true. He has an extra tooth like in the middle of his mouth. Um, oh my gosh! Did you what? Know I'm looking at this. Is that is that really what that's so terrible? But yeah. his teeth look great. No, he's it's it's like I, I don't know why people can always talk about like the negative. It's like the dude's got a, like a million dollar smile. Leave him alone. There's a lot of things to criticize Tom Cruise for, and that is not one of them. Um, but he like it, it's been <laughs> it's been interesting as an outside observer. Where <laughs> well, I don't like Val Kilmer. His Val's, his voice is all weird. What's up with that? <laughs> this is just a terrible criticism that people mention all the time. And uh, I've Christ- never heard that. I've heard this a lot. Christian Bale based Patrick Bateman on Tom Cruise. Have you, have <laughs> you heard this? What? Yeah. So. There is this interview where, according to Christian Bale, he said he had, quote, this intense friendliness despite having, quote, nothing behind his eyes. And he based that his entire portrayal of Patrick Bateman on this one Tom Cruise interview we saw. So, yeah, Tom Cruise is, is an interesting guy, but he loved, he watches at least one movie a day. He he really, really loves films. He was There's videos of him, like, going to see, like, Tenet in theaters with, like, a big face mask on. But I do. Yeah, I remember seeing that. There's apparently, like, he would he would dress up in disguises or something to go to the movies every day or something, which is a hilarious visual, like him in, like, a, like, like in a full body, like, astronaut suit or dressed in, like, cosplay to go see. Is he like uh, Keanu Reeves? What's that one interview? Or it's a clip. And it's just Keanu Reeves going, I love movies. Gosh, I love movies. Yeah, yeah. I love watching them and I love making them. And it's like, that's it. That's the clip. <laughs> it's just Tom Cruise is the alternative of, or not alternative, just the the partner, the twin. Yeah. Just, well, I Keanu, love Keanu, movies. Keanu Reeves is the everyman version of that. Tom Cruise is like the weirdo artist version of that. You know, they're two yeah. sides of the same coin, but they're they're united in this passion of love of the of films. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I can't say I, I dislike Mr. Cruz. I he he has really he's made a lot of great flicks. He the fact that he is one of those people who has the pull to get these big expensive blockbuster movies made, but made the quote unquote correct way. Like there's a part of me that's always going to respect that, you know. 
I can't wait for the day where he and Christopher Nolan make a movie together and it's just completely incomprehensible and costs $500 million and Tom Cruise dies during it for some reason, you know, but like, that's the thing. People are the remake of the crow. dude. They're going to remake the crow. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently what's his name? Something Skarsgård is going to be the new Alexander from Alexander. Assuming it's not going to be the guy, like the Skarsgård that's in the Thor movies, but yeah, that's all I got to say about this this wonderful little Top Gun Maverick movie. It's, it's seen in theaters. If you've listened this far, you've probably already seen it. But tell your friends to see it. See it again. See I want to see it again. It. I just don't got time. <laughs> I remember that's like that was a quote for every like uh, trailer. Like on TV, you see it after a movie. See it again. <laughs> see it again and again. You'll stand up and cheer, you know. Little did they know that 10 years later, Spider-Man and Spider-Man would show up with Spider-Man and everyone would be... <laughs> vomiting the worst tweet i've ever seen in my entire life was tweeted a few days ago and it's um i don't want to people bag on this guy but he's a guy who tweets about video uh, video game video games and and comic book movies it's his job to talk about these things so people are being a little mean to him but he tweeted like there should be an option where (laughs) there should be (laughs) there should be an option where it up Sorry, you should be able to. It's so funny. Sorry, it's okay. Okay, what is the home video slash streaming release should have an option where you could turn on crowd noise when you watch it, so you can get the experience (laughs) of everyone cheering (laughs) when you watch it at home. Oh, that's terrible! Can you do that with Evil Dead twenty thirteen? That'd be pretty dope. Yeah, but that's like the depressing image of me alone in a room with my Deadpool shirt, turning on the sound of crowd cheering for the portal scene <laughs> so i could cheer along at home with my imaginary friends it's just so sad just go on youtube and look up um what is it the final fight of breaking dawn part two uh, oh opening man. night that's that the, the only so one you great. need it's the only one you need where where it literally starts with everyone panicking and getting mad at the my, movie and then cheering the movie yeah. on like yeah <laughs> when my great. wife saw that movie in theaters <laughs> she, she saw an imax um people she said people were actually crying because like major characters were dying they're like no no they're like crying <laughs> what an experience and then they were just man. confused so uh, for those of you who do not know <laughs> this for, if you have not read breaking dawn the book i actually haven't i read the first three and i didn't ever read breaking dawn, i got to the point that Be- bella spoilers becomes a vampire what a surprise and then i stopped reading because i was like all right i did it <laughs> that's all i've been waiting well, for so i don't even know what happens at the end for the record i don't for, know anything for those who just assume i just went to the barnes and noble and picked up twilight it was actually one of my summer reading assignments for the record and then i read new moon of my own volition which is one of the worst books i've ever read it's a it bad sequel dude um, and then I read Eclipse because at that point I was like, I just want to know what happens next. And then she made a fourth book, which I never read. But anyway, um, the fourth book has one of the worst like ending things where all of the characters get together. It's like the airport fight in Civil War or whatever, except they just have a discussion and they all walk away. So talk about anticlimactic. So realizing this would be bad for a movie when they made Breaking Dawn Part 2 at the scene where all of the vampires were all just coming together without warning, they just start fighting and killing each other a character gets their head cut off and then eaten by a werewolf people get ripped in half it's shockingly it's violent and graphic. because they just turn into like they turn into like a ceramic when they get killed yes. and stuff. but it's still shocking because you're like oh my gosh it's this ah! is twilight like there's no action in these movies it's <laughs> yeah. not violent or anything and then yeah. just suddenly this insanely horrific scene guts and this revealed such a vision a character's having so they do both like they had like they have this horrible action scene where all the characters you love are dead. And then there's like, oh, it's a dream. 
And then, then they all walk away. So they managed to do both things. So for some people like myself, they think that's the best thing that they could have possibly done. Um, there actually is a great for um, this isn't my recommendation, but there's a podcast called The Twilight Effect, where one of the actors from the movie and her friend who is a Twilight super fan just go rewatch the Twilight movies. They bring on guests to talk about the movies. And like I learned things like Kellen Lutz is one of the actors in it. It's like a really like hardcore Christian. So if you have a prayer request, you could just email or DM Kellen Lutz and he and his <laughs> wife will pray for you. Oh, cute. So, <laughs> I guess you could if you DM me, I'll I'll pray for you too. But I <laughs> Why do that? You get Kellen Lutz to do it. So who's also in Expendables three? Weird how all these things come together. String theory, dude. It's the power of Scientology. Yeah. Thanks, Tom Cruise. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) Maverick's good. Maverick's a really good movie. Definitely go check it out. Um, See it again and again, and uh, give it two thumbs up. It is just an absolute blast. The movie looks really good. It feels really good. It sounds really good. And uh, man, we didn't even talk about the soundtrack from Top Gun, the first one. But Lady Gaga, Hans Zimmer, what a t- what a team! Yeah, they didn't get the dream team of Hans Zimmer and Pharrell Williams again, though. They they have been, they are the dream team. They should they, they they should have got two or three movies, Ross to give like a really moody, down tempo, uh, uh, social network type score for this. Uh, what's it? One Republic recorded a song for this movie. Did Lady Gaga help with the soundtrack or just do the final song at the end? She's credited as like one of the people who made the soundtrack. I did see soundtrack. the composer, but yeah. But anyways. So, but I guess, I guess that's it. This is going to be a short episode. It's a good movie, guys. It's an hour that's long great. episode. What are you talking so, about? That's, that's a shorter episode. Most of ours is are like it? an hour and a half. That's crazy. Yeah, man. But uh, I, I can I don't keep know that... talking if you want. I mean, I, I'm okay with this. Easy to edit, easy to clean up. Uh, sticker. If you want extra content, y'all know how to do it. Three three dollars a month, you can get it. Well, on we the also saw your recommendations and stuff. So that's true. So what uh, what do you have for um, what do you have for your Christian recommendations? I don't have any commentary one. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> no, I can think of something. Watch Top Gun. <laughs> My recommendation is the novelization of Top Gun. Uh, How do we not talk about the poster, by the way? The poster for Top Gun is, the first one, is beautiful. Just an awesome poster. And then the one for Maverick is just kind of normal. It's such a bummer. What a wasted opportunity. The whole, the movie poster industry is just in the gutter. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn here. But it is, it is quite disappointing. There's a couple good ones. What was that one? Um, The Diana one with Kristen Stewart. Where it's just her crying in the dress. That one was a good one. I oh, thought that Spencer? poster was good. Spencer, yes. <laughs> that poster was dope. I love that one. Um, let me pop open a list of uh, 2022 movies. There might be a might be a good um, good poster or two. Let's take a let's take a look. I do I do have recommendations. I was just everything was just everywhere is a good one. Yeah. Everything everywhere is a good one. The uh, <laughs> Let's uh, let's see here. It doesn't have to be an hour and a half episode, Bell, but it's okay uh, if it's just an hour. I'm not seeing any other windfall. Windfall is a good one. I like that one. Uh, senior year is kind of a good poster. I like that one. Uh, Ant Man has a great poster. Nope is a really good one. I really like that poster. I really like that trailer too. Uh, but Bullet Train is still, I think, the best trailer right now. So let's, uh, let's uh, keep looking. Let's go for a little longer. Uh, JK, haha, what's um what's your recommendation, my man? What do you got? So um this summer for the college group I'm doing at my church, I'm doing a series on Ruth. Uh we are basing it on the book A Loving Life by Paul Miller. Uh however, uh to supplement the book is I mean, you can consider this like a bonus recommendation, but a praying life 
uh, is specifically created to be a taught curriculum and includes like lesson guides and questions and stuff. It's really formatted really easily. Uh, and you can sort of uh, customize it to accommodate whatever size group you're doing. But the commentary I'm using to supplement his material is the Esther and Ruth commentary from the Reformed Expository Commentary series. It's written by Ian uh, Dugood. Anyway, um, I love the Reformed Ex- Expository Commentary series. Uh, I previously believe I recommended one for uh, another book because I've used a couple of them. But I've, re- I've recommended other volumes in the series uh, before. And uh, Ruth is an interesting book to talk about and teach. It often gets simplified down to just a women's conference type thing where, it, you know, you go to a conference, they tell the single ladies that Boaz is coming and they seem to keep praying. And that's kind of what, how they teach Ruth. Uh, Ruth is much more depthful. There's no, so, so much more beauty in that book. And while it, it is a beautiful story of how God redeems a woman through someone like Boaz, there's a lot more going on to it than that. And I think the much more expository based commentary brings a lot of that material to the forefront you see the providence of god you see how god acts in lives of quote-unquote unimportant people and it is a beautiful like short story in the middle of the bible and uh i love i love ruth and i love this commentary on it uh see esther and ruth from the reformed expository commentary series yeah i'm gonna recommend i i've been on kind of like an evil dead kick lately i went through and watched all the movies again uh how would i rank them they're all eight out of tens and up I think I have Evil Dead, the first one, The Evil Dead, as my number one. I know that that's a hot take for some people because they swear by two, but I just think the first one's a really expertly made film. Um, I wish it, I wish it was possible to find a Blu-ray cut of the original cut because they have some cleaned up edits out there, but they George Lucas that movie. But um, but I am not recommending, though, the Evil Dead movies. I am recommending the new Evil Dead game that just came out. It is a 4v1 asymmetric horror game it is pretty cool because instead of doing the normal asymmetric system of one killer and four people playing hide and seek trying not to get killed uh in evil dead fashion you can fight back and it is a lot of fun um it's a little janky and silly as are most um i don't know ip gimmicky style games are you could even see that this game was probably like a tech demo or another game first and then they got the rights for it kind of like how the friday the 13th game was uh rest in peace that game because man that could have gotten better and better if they kept working on it but uh it plays really well it's very fun it's goofy it's got a couple solo things but the most enjoyable stuff is when you and your friends play either against a computer which plays fine for learning how the game goes or playing online against a player who is just the Kandarian demon. They can pick, uh, there's characters throughout uh, the the original trilogy and Ash vs. Evil Dead, which I also started watching too. I did not know that pilot episode was directed and written by Sam Raimi. So there's basically just yeah. another Evil Dead movie. <laughs> so it's really fun. Um, just a blast. But uh, the game plays really well and again has characters throughout. Uh, you can play as either, I think it's, the grandmother is the primary demon for one of them uh, from the second one. The one I think I think the line is I didn't look up to confirm, but when she gets out of the grave, she's like, what's this in my fruit salad? Is it a fresh pot of souls or something like that, which is so good. Um, put that in Doctor Strange and you get people mad. But um, or you get to play as I think the puppet who's from Ash Receival Dead, which I've still have yet to know what that is or you get to play as evil ash and have a bunch of skeletons playing the flute and just running around with swords and shields it's so so silly 
Um, just a blast, real a lot of fun. I think it's on like uh, new consoles right now and on PC only on Epic Game Store, but it is pretty dang good. So, and I think Epic Game Store has like a sale going on where you get like a twenty five percent off coupon <laughs> just because you have it. So you could get the game for real cheap right now. So definitely give it a try. I don't really have something anything that fun to recommend, except I finally sat down and listened to a podcast that I've been meaning to. Uh, called King Falls AM. Have I recommended that on the show recently? You have not. What is it? Uh, so for those of you who know, there's a podcast out there called Welcome to Night Vale, uh, which is was was the thing on the internet when it came out. It was all over Tumblr. It was really it was one of the first like big podcasts. And what made it unique is that it was an in universe podcast where it was radio broadcasts from this bizarre place called Night Vale that is both like filled with supernatural and bizarre activity. And you kind of got to piece together bits of the plot from listening to each episode. It's really fascinating. And it was a really great initial example of how the medium of podcasting could be used to tell unique stories. Um, and it launched a whole multimedia franchise. It's beloved and super um, influential to this day. There's also a lot of media inspired by Night Vale. Um, that's a really great podcast. Please you've listened to it. It's a bit of a dive now because it's just been around for so long. However, a more accessible, um, yeah, just a more accessible version of that is called King Falls AM, which was clearly inspired by Night Vale, but takes the route of it's it, the story, quote unquote, follows a big city radio DJ who moves to a small town and becomes the co-host of like the local like radio show, mm-hmm. and so it's you get these daily episodes from this radio station where the lead guy is slowly realizing this town he's moved to there's a lot more going on than anticipated it tries to do the same thing that nightfield does where there's like a tongue-in-cheek like kind of embracing the mundanity of of evil and wickedness kind of thing i don't think it's always 100 percent successful with that but it's a really interesting podcast where you listen to this 15 16 minute episodes where the small was big town dj goes to small bizarre town they include lots of fake commercials for local businesses which are really charming and cheesy it's cool uh it's uh there's the mystery of what's really going on isn't as engaging as i would like but the experience of listening to this one guy get just befuddled by a town that may or may not have vampires and werewolves in it is really fun so if you're looking for a quick 16 minute podcast, because I know Sony like M- Mission to Zix and all these other podcasts and um, Tales from the Magic City or whatever it's called, like these podcasts tend to have like hour long episodes. This is a nice like 16 minute like little increments. I listen to it while I'm doing dishes and stuff. So King Falls AM. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. 
Doing so will net you other perks, too. But let's be real. The podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.